Hi, everyone. It's Mandy. Before we go into it, patrons, you are everything. Thank you so much for being supporters of the show, supporters of the Restorative Grief platform everywhere it's found. Because I've been doing this for a while now, but I tell you, running with others makes it so much more enjoyable. So if you're interested in all the premium content, exclusive interviews coming up, or even just supporting the methods and the work because you know it makes an impact in your life and in others, then we would love to have you join us. Check out the show notes for links and that's that's it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 60 titled, Let's Be Unproductive for Once. This is the week we are going to be a little bit more uncomfortable. I want you to deal with your emotions in a new way, but don't worry, you will not start journaling unless you want to. But really, I want you to do the opposite. Instead of wondering about what an emotional response could mean or need or be trying to teach you, I want you to express the emotion and simply move through it without a second thought, especially without an apology for the emotion itself. Because for once, we're going to be unproductive and messy with our emotions and invite them to simply exist. So you might be a little confused right now and thinking that unproductive behaviors or actions are counter to our target of doing the grief work. And I can understand why you might think that way, but you'd be wrong <laughs> because grief work is not a monolith. We know that formulas and methodologies that work for one person don't always work for another. In the same way, we have to decide if our intentionality and constant working or even striving toward an outcome or target is really serving us in the way our grief needs our attention right now. Maybe you've heard the adage that rest is productive, and it is because rest is where we find restoration. So in that same vein, I'm going to push back today on my own remarks and advice about doing the work of grieving, because I want us to learn that what is productive is not always helpful, and what is helpful is not always what we might perceive as productive. So why would I want you to just emote and not worry about where it's coming from? Because listen, I'm the queen of asking questions like that, and especially questions like, what is this unto? What is this for? Why are we doing this? So please ask the questions. And after all this time, I hope you've known and learned how to become intentional with where you place your attention and how you ask your questions, because you've worked so hard in your grief work. You've allowed tears to fall, and you've asked hard questions of yourself and your values and your grief story. And in so many ways, that intentionality is beautiful. It's moving, inspiring, and helpful. It even allows us to question ourselves in areas that we might overlook as meaningful. The question of what is this unto also invites us to be serious for a moment about the motivation behind our actions and choices. Are we asking for change because it's unto something greater? Then push forward. But when we find ourselves arguing with stop signs in our pursuit of healing, the question seems most appropriate to help us redirect that energy. But when it comes to our emotions, the question is null and void. What is this unto? It's finally meaningless. This is where today's conversation might get a little uncomfortable. Nine times out of 10, I'm sure you would rather ignore your big emotions because they're inconvenient, frustrating, and they often feel so boring and tiresome. Am I the only one? 
bored by repeating emotions because if that's the case, that's fine. I'm totally happy being alone in this wilderness and I'll just ask my therapist about it. (laughs) But um, if I'm not, and I suspect that I'm not, then this is worth our attention because our big emotions can seriously disrupt our days especially when we feel like we're cruising down easy street and the grief work has somehow become simple or at least easy to ignore. Maybe life even finally felt a bit more stable or what we might call normal. Maybe it felt like you had a grip on things and could handle the minor inconveniences. And as a reminder, that's living with what we call an open window of tolerance, right? So when some disruption comes along, we're not completely derailed or thrown asunder. We can handle what needs our attention and then move back into what we were doing because our window of tolerance is open. Then those big emotions show up and slam shut our window so fast you barely have time to get your fingers out of the way. If you're like me, you're the person who then turns and yells, what the hell? Where did this come from? (laughs) Because I know I'm often wondering how such intrusive thoughts and big emotions could rise like a tsunami from seemingly out of nowhere, derailing my day if I'm not careful. So there are typically two responses when we see this kind of whirlwind emotion emerge. The human tendency is either to minimize them and pretend they don't exist, like I mentioned, or to give in to them and create a sense of melancholy ownership over the emotions themselves. Some of us may go so far as to over-identify with these big emotions, struggling then to find a way forward or through the emotions at all. And this behavior circles us back to the first place of denying that they're real because eventually we all get tired of feeling defined by our anger, sadness, or fear. But what about another path? What about the option that says it's okay if our emotions are big and yet meaningless? I can hear you sighing right now saying, but Mandy, your entire framework of grief support is based on creating meaning around our loss that matters to us as the griever. It's about exploring those big emotions we have and uncovering what makes us feel alive, even amid the worst experiences of our lives. Your grief work is about learning how to integrate thoughts, emotions, feelings, and the connective tissue in our experiences to the truth of who we are now and how we plan to move forward. How can you be saying that emotions are meaningless? Okay, that might be my own inner world (laughs) about the work that I do, but you have to admit it sounds good, right? Because it is. It's amazing. What you might actually be thinking, though, is the idea of meaningless emotions doesn't make a lot of sense. After all, Emotions are giving us information, right? They carry valuable data for us to investigate and hold close as important. They're pointing us to what hurts, what needs our attention, and what can be made whole when our intentions are set on healing. But listen to me, please, for a moment. Does a child need a reason to laugh? Do they find great meaning in the universe because they've allowed themselves to cry? Do they feel compelled to write the saddest songs known to man In order to justify an emotional expression? Hell no, they don't. They cry when they're sad. They laugh when something's funny, even if they're laughing alone. And sometimes they just giggle for the hell of it. Especially when we grieve. We are so consumed with our adulthood, our insight, and our responsibilities that we forget to be human, to be childlike to invite the playful nature of our humanity to surface and serve us as it was meant to. 
our human nature is to pursue connection. And that does not always mean what we do to create connection is inherently meaningful. What I mean is that we don't need a book club to have a good conversation. We don't need a roadmap before we can take an adventure together or on our own. What we need is the willingness to be frivolous, to play, to have fun, to have adventures without meaning, to express our emotions without analyzing the value on the other side. In grief work, we have a lot of systems, methodologies, frameworks, theories, and plans as to how we can integrate our experience into the truth of who we are and who we are becoming. But in the process, we merely invalidate the emotions we experience. We can be so consumed with finding meaning and creating evidence of our healing that we fail to recognize the very healing nature of tears themselves. What about the restorative nature of laughter? Because I don't know about you, but for me, that alone can move mountains. And if you don't believe me, Google a video of someone laughing. You don't need to know the context of why they're laughing or the punchline of the joke. Let your laughter be unproductive. Let it be without meaning. Because when you watch someone else laughing for even a moment, it's a pretty good bet that you'll start laughing too. Or maybe you're just annoyed with me and you'll force yourself to not even crack a smile. I don't care. Because whatever you do, this conversation is just an invitation. You are the one that gets to choose if you're going to try being unproductive. Sometimes we feel great anger and we just need to feel it. In fact, I often say that anger is secondary, pointing us to a wound that needs our attention. It's just a protector. And honestly, I'm an inherently quick to anger person. Sometimes I just want to express my anger and move on from it without diving too deeply. And that itself is an incredibly generous gift, especially when so many things make me angry anymore. I can't have nice things. (laughs) In full transparency, it's literally to the point that friends and family call me Roy Kent from time to time. So if you're a fan of the Ted Lasso show on Apple TV, you'll understand that reference, especially since I coach soccer too. Uh, But if not, just think about Chris Farley's motivational speaker bit and how frustrated he sounded every time he spoke. (laughs) You can see, even with that description, that it's not really anger. It's injustice and passion on behalf of someone else or on behalf of myself, that deserves to be treated well. But then again, sometimes it's just anger. And it deserves to be honest, put in whatever two cents it's carrying, and then move right along without a second thought. Thank you for listening to episode 60 of Restorative Grief. Emotions are easy to minimize, and I think a lot of our time spent in grief work is spent trying to be mindful that we avoid minimizing and stuffing away the things that we think and we feel. But there is something to be said about recognizing an opportunity for casual mindfulness, allowing our emotions to breathe and then float away on the breeze. Not saying it's easy, nor what we should do every time, but it is a chance for us to build up our emotional tolerance. Uh, I wish this wasn't true, but you already know that grief isn't going to be something you can control or easily navigate, no matter the time it arises. But if we can allow ourselves to let a wave crash into us without feeling overtaken or obsessively curious for meaning, we can begin to recognize integration of our grief experience into the new understanding of the world around us. 
and that will activate some powerful, helpful emotions of its own. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, thank you for being here. I would be honored for you to subscribe to the show, leave a happy little five-star review, and share this episode with your own circle of influence. It's natural to have emotions and let them simply pass on by. And as always, thank you to the patrons. I'm beyond grateful for your support of this work here on Restorative Grief. And if you are interested, don't forget to check out the show notes. And as always, one last thing. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Sometimes it just looks like rest. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you.